now we can get through all that. Let's get to some real good stuff today. John chapter 4. What a tremendous spiritual transition that was. Wow, I can feel the anointing oozing off of me on that transition. John chapter 4, a very familiar, I've preached from this a hundred times, but here goes 101 today. Just because there's so much stuff in here, I think you could preach on this a thousand times. Verse number 1, John 4, Therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, and he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied on his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. God bless you. You can be seated for a moment today. Thank you for standing. I I didn't put any notes in your uh, bulletin today. Uh, because I got tired of putting notes and not using them. <laughs> so at this point, I left it blank uh, in, in, in hopes that we'll see where the Lord's going to take us today. But I want to talk to you uh, for a few moments about the Jesus equation. And the Jesus equation of how that applies to your life, and then the Jesus equation of how He used it. So if you're taking notes, and you don't have to write this down if you don't want to, but if you're taking notes, write this out for me, okay? Write H-E, two letters, H-E. You can do capital, lowercase. Not the word he, it's not he, it it's, stands for something. H-E plus C-P plus C-C equals M-I. I promise, do not panic. This is not some kind of crazy Albert Einstein missing equation. We're not doing scientific uh, teaching today. I'm going to share with you this Jesus equation. So one more time. You ready? H-E plus C-P plus C-C equals M-I. Sounds like a song from uh, Sound of Music. H-E plus C-P plus C-C. There you go, you'll remember it now. So let's look at which one of those are, and then we're going to talk about how they work, and then we're going to see how Jesus really was a master at this. H-E, you can put this in your notations if you'd like to. H-E stands for high effectiveness. High effectiveness. C-P stands for close proximity. C-C stands for clear communication. And finally, MI stands for maximum impact. Maximum impact. Now, if you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, you will see that Jesus was the master of maximum impact. Jesus impacted everywhere he went. 
Well, what are the reasons and why did he do these? Because I believe that part of this equation gives us the answer. And I believe a lot of us need to look at this equation for our own life and see why we we are or we're not having impact on those around us. Because those three parts of the equation, like any good equation, in fact, uh, we homeschool our kids, and at this point in time, I'm teaching, I'm the math teacher, and so I'm teaching my girls some math, and we've just got into some new equations. And I told my daughter, listen, equations are simple, because if you know the equations, the equation gives you the answer. The only thing you've got to do if you have the equation is make sure you get the proper values put in the equation. But the equation will give you the answer every time. If you don't get the right answer, it's not the equation's fault. It's because you didn't apply the values correctly or you did not do the equation. But the equation is not the problem. The equation has been proven. If you're not getting the right answer, you made a mistake somewhere and you need to go back and fix it. You can walk up to someone right now. If you're, a, if you're taking a class, you can walk up to the teacher right now and you can argue, well, I like my answer better. And you can say, what's wrong? Well, It's my opinion. I like it. No, the problem with the equation is equation is not an opinion. An equation produces a fact. And so if my life is not having a maximum impact on those around me, then possibly there's something missing in the equation where I'm not applying it correctly. Because if I'm truly a disciple of Jesus Christ, then I should be having maximum impact on those around me. So let's look at these three parts of the equation. And maybe somewhere in this you can see how your Missing, and then we're going to take it for the and, and 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 we're going to go for a few minutes on seeing Jesus put this equation to practice. So let's look at high effectiveness or highly effective, however you'd like to remember it. What does that simply mean? It simply means that who you are is truly the first part of whether or not the equation can work. Let me explain that to you. When people saw Jesus, they recognized something about him that was different. When they watched his mannerism, when they watched the way he talked, in fact, one group said to one day they heard him talk, and they made the note, this guy talks with authority that we don't even understand where that authority comes from. He had a, a way, Brother Joel, of even talking that differentiated himself from the crowd. He had a way of talking, his mannerisms. And not only that, but some of the things he did was different. For instance, he was accused of being a friend to the, to, uh, we said it last week, to the tax collectors and the sinners. Who accused him? Church people. It cracks me up. It was the church people that accused them. It's amazing that church people will always accuse those who are trying to have connections with the tax collectors and the sinners of this world. Church people say, no, you can't do that. But you see, the problem is, is that the reason why most of us struggle is because we have become influenced instead of being the influencer. 
We allow ourselves to be influenced, but God has called us to be the influencers. But the problem is, you cannot be an influencer if there's things about you that aren't where they need to be. For instance, this world needs real people. Come on, let's be honest. All of you social media fans, you understand this world is such a bogus world that does not show reality. They did not look like that the moment they woke up. So I post a picture. Morning, look at me in the morning. You took two hours to take that picture and you know it. I want someone to take a picture right when they woke up before they've done, I mean, bedhead and everything. You post that. Stop posting your perfection. Because we know it's not real. You may live like that in the moment, but that's not reality. And so our world has become enamored with fake. But you know what's great about that? When you have the fake surrounding you, then the genuine and real really stands out. And I, I, you know, let's just say fact. We know people, and I'm not knocking this, so don't, if you do this, I'm not knocking you. We know people who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. Because you know those people. They just come up to you, praise the Lord, Brother John. It's so good to see you. Isn't God good? Isn't, and you're looking going, what? That's not real. We're trying to project something that we think others want, but that's not who we are. I said it last week. The greatest thing you can be is to be who God made you to be. And all the uniqueness. And so we saw Jesus, his greatest impact and effectiveness came from the fact that he was real and genuine. He wasn't fake. This world needs real. And you know what? I tell you what real is. Real is actually sometimes showing you my flaws. Because it's one thing to be a disciple on a good day, but it's a whole other thing when you're a disciple on a bad day. It's easy to say, why are you smiling? Because everything in my life is great. But it's another thing to say, why are you always smiling? Do you ever have a bad day? I have bad days all the time. But I don't let my day determine who I am because I know who I am is greater than what you can see. That's why the Bible talks about we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. We're in this world. We can't change that. Most of us in here that like living. I don't think anyone's volunteering today to go to heaven. It's amazing. We talk about heaven. No one's volunteering to go there. We want to stay here. We enjoy this deal. Why did God keep us here? Because we are the reflection of who he is on this earth. Jesus said to his disciples after he showed up, he said, as the father has sent me, so I send you. Which literally means I came as his representation and I want you to be my representation. Do you know what's hilarious? Crazy. I know it sounds wild. But you know, when you show up to work, I know you're not going to believe this. It's just me and you talking. Shh. That when you show up to work, that you show up on your job as Jesus. 
99% of you don't believe that. You, you shake your eye. No, no, you don't believe that. Because when you show up work, you're Jesus. Because you know what? Those people at work, that's the only Jesus they're going to see. And you can be the reflection. Because let's be honest. We said it before. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's really hard to really share somebody who Jesus is when you're not living it yourself. I've used this before. But you go look at a toothbrush advertisement. How many of you would buy Crest or Colgate? What are the other ones out there? Who, what else? Arm and Hammer? What are the other ones out there? What is, AIM is another one. Aquafresh. We're going to find out how many toothpaste we have represented. Sensodyne. <laughs> So we have these deal. Here's the advertisement. I want them to make an advertisement. How many of you would buy Crest 3D whitening? Crest 3D whitening. If when they did the commercial, the people had yellow, crooked, gnarly looking teeth. And they're brushing their teeth going, this really works for me. And you're like, I don't see it and I'm not buying it. The people they use, their teeth are so white, it blinds you. The picture, I mean, their teeth are like, I mean, just insanely white. It's crazy. They're like blowtorched with spray paint or something. It's insane. And all of a sudden, you look at their teeth and go, my goodness, if they use that product to get those teeth, I'm going to go get that product so I can get those kind of teeth. Because let's be honest, then if you see the commercial, you always see the beautiful woman or the handsome, rugged man brushing their teeth with a big smile. If you got that same deal, and then they started doing it, and the whole time they're brushing their teeth, it's like, oh, 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 oh. No! And if they pulled out that toothbrush, you went, Crest. <laughs> Why would I want to buy something that you're gagging over? So how can we go around gagging on Jesus and then turn around and go, try Jesus. Tastes so good. Jesus is great. You can't do this and you can't do that and you you can't go there and you got to go to church every Sunday. Now a stupid church has got me going to stupid small group in the afternoon. They always want me to read my, oh, my Bible. They're getting me to pray a lot. And, and then they want me to give everything to Jesus. Sorry, I'm having a moment. They want me to give everything to Jesus and ask him about my day and to follow his, oh, I'm sorry, I'm a little, a little winded. Oh, Will, but try him. He's great. That's exactly the way it is. And we wonder why people look at the greatest detriment to disciples are disciples. Because I got to be honest with you. 
The way people that claim to be Christians live their life, no wonder the world thinks we're a joke. Because let's be honest, they look at us and they go, you go to church every Sunday and you do all that and you're just as messed up as I am. Why would I even waste my time? Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect. That doesn't mean we put the pressure on us to be somebody. But the fact of the matter is, is that who we are should be reflected because he's in us. And when they see us, they shouldn't see Joe, right? They should see Jesus. And yes, there'll be some times they're going to see some nastiness come out of me. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, is that my mistakes don't define me. It's what I do with my mistake that defines me. Because I can tell you a whole list of people in the Bible that made mistakes that we don't even realize they made those mistakes because it wasn't a mistake that was a problem. It was what they did with it. So if you've got that high effectiveness and then the other thing that Jesus was a master at was close proximity. You've got to get around people. To impact people, you've got to be with people. And when I'm effective and I'm near people, the last thing I need to do is be able to clearly communicate to them. Clear communicate to the truths of who Jesus is. When I say clear communication, I mean not giving a bunch of religious rhetoric. Not talking about religious phrases that we often use that really they're just sort of like code language in the church. Church people know what we're talking about, but everyone else can go, I, that, that says, that, I don't even know what you're talking about. But knowing clear communication. And when you put these things together, then we can begin to have maximum impact. Because let's look at the story. Watch this. There are five things. And I promise you, you can thank the school. I will not be long today because we do have a time limit. So some of you are starting to worry. There are five things that take place when you come in contact with Jesus that we can see in the story. So Jesus shows up, and you got to get it. You know the story, but some of you, I'm going to refresh your memory. So Jesus is hanging out down in the valley. And he's going to go up to Galilee. Now, on the map, let's look at this on the map. Let's draw the map. Okay, so we're going to draw the map. So here's the map. It's a big box. Work with me here. Down here is where Jesus is hanging out. Up here is where Jesus was going. And if you look at the top topography of that area, he would just have to stroll up the valley right along the river. Now, so Jesus is over here. He's going up here. Samaria is like over here, up a 2,000-foot mountain in sandals. And he looks at his disciples one day and he says to them, uh, yeah, we're going up there, but I really need to go to Samaria. That's sort of like saying, um, I need to go to Annapolis. Uh, we're going to Annapolis, but I need to go by Philadelphia. Um, Jesus, you know Annapolis straight down there. Why are we going that way? Because he had a divine appointment. That's why it's funny. I love it. It kind of shows the humanity of Christ because the Bible says when he got there, he was tired. You climb 2,000 feet up a mountain and tell him if you're not tired. In your Air Jesus sandals. <laughs> so he shows up there at this, and this woman 
Now we know the story, a lot of you know the story. This woman shows up at the well. Now, not to get into details of this, because I'm not trying to get into the whole nitty-gritty of the story. I'm trying to get to some point. But I love the sort of the context of this. The well she went to was not the normal well everyone went to. She was in the city of Sychar. And the way the city was built is there was a well in Sychar because water was a necessity of life. So they would build a well in the city. So the well she went to was outside the city because Jesus sent the disciples into the city. She was out of the city at the well that was used for a livestock and for the undesirables. And on top of that, she came at the middle of the day. So she was drinking at the well that was intended for the animals and the livestock, and she was doing it in the middle of the day. That's a pretty interesting whole dynamic there. So Jesus shows up, and he looks at her and gives this, you know, the crazy question, and he says to her, um, I need a drink. And she's startled by this whole thing. A, she's startled by someone talking to her. Because I, I picture her as someone who probably was very adept at being invisible. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about today. You know how to disappear. You know how to make yourself reclusive. You know how to walk down the street and no one even know you're there because you have this ability to sort of pull in your own world. And so you're startled when people engage you. And this woman was startled by the fact that this man, a man was engaging with her and she looked at him and said, what are you, a Jew, talking to me, a Samaritan? This whole thing threw her off. So that gives me Point number one with Jesus. Jesus rarely comes like we expect. An encounter with Jesus very rarely ever comes the way we planned it. That's why the disciples that were on the ship one day, that they were in the storm, and this figure started walking on the water, and they looked at everybody, and they... We don't know. We have no recollection of Jesus changed his clothes. My assumption was he was wearing the same garb he was wearing when he left them as he was still wearing. And they looked at him and they said, Who is that? And they said, It must be a ghost. Must be a ghost. Because it didn't even quantify in their mind the potential that who this could be. And this woman was so used to expecting the same result that when Jesus showed up, she missed an encounter with him because he didn't come like he normally thought or she normally thought that this type of person would come. You see, we get into that same trap. A lot of us come in that same trap because we get in that same trap. Now let's get into the, let's bring it into the Sunday morning world for just a moment, our small group world. The problem with any of this that we do on a regular basis is that we can get into habitual expectation, right? So we know sort of through habit, there's some, there's pretty much here are the elements that are going to take place. And so therefore our whole entire expectation is built upon habitual Things that we've done every week. So when Jesus takes a right turn and wants to move over here, we just are like, that can't be God. If, if we just say, you know what? 
power of God was, came in this morning. We were in prayer. God was in this place. The very first few minutes, the worship team was praying. Pre, pre, before we even started 945 praying, the worship team was praying. God was already moving. We started praying. God was in this place. But you know what? That's not the time. You know, that's just our, that's our, we got to get this out of the way. That, because what if God wanted to do a miracle in your life at that moment, but because you weren't expecting him to do it then, because that's not the time he does it, you missed an opportunity. What if there's a message, or uh, Brother Chomley, Brother Middleton, you, we, you guys, we've had this happen, right? You, you know, you preach something, and you preach in the same stuff you've always preached, because there's only so much to preach, right? And people look at you like we've already heard this. And you already dismissed because you think you heard, versus saying, okay, God, what are you trying to say to me today? What is in here today that I do? Because you know what? The worst thing that can happen is to miss out on an encounter with God because I was looking over here and he was standing over there. I've used this before and I'll use it again just for a moment here because I think it's such a beautiful imagery. I don't have scripture to back this up. It's in my version of the Bible that I personally wrote. It's not in your version and it's in one of my, it's the 67th book of my Bible. Uh, It's there after Revelation. It's the book of Joel Seth, chapter 4, verse 7. But I believe, Brother, 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 Brother John, I've used this before, but I, I, I just have this feeling. Now, I know there's no sorrow in heaven. I get all this, so work with me here. It's, I'm not saying it's a theological book of the Bible. Okay? It's just my addendum to the Bible. But, Brother, Brother, Brother John, come here with me. I, I wonder if when you get to heaven... And you're there and you get to talking to God. You're like, man, Lord, you know, my life was going this way and my life was going that. And, and you know, Lord, remember that Sunday, March the 3rd, I showed up. And, man, I was really going through some stuff at the time. And I, I needed something. Lord, what happened that day? And he says, John, come with me for a second. Jesus takes you by the hand and you go down like First Apostle Avenue, take a left on... Peter, past 3rd John Avenue, you know, yeah, exactly, like Fisherman's Court, and you stop right here, and there's a warehouse, and you say, okay, Lord, what's this? I want you to go in there, and, and he opens up the door, and it's like one of those movies where they open the warehouse, and it just goes on as long as you can see, and he starts walking down these giant aisles, and he goes, A and then B. I don't know if heaven's alphabetical, but C, D, E, 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 E. And you go down the E aisle and E. We go down the E aisle and E, you know, Evans and whatever it is. And Ingblom, Ingblom, Sam Ingblom, uh, Ed Ingblom, (laughs) Billy Ingblom. Not likely. Not likely. John Ingblom. That's it. The only one. The only one we know of. And he says... Look at that shelf. And you kind of go, okay, God, what, what am I looking at? And you see all this stuff up on the shelf. And, and you say, okay, God. And you kind of get excited. You're like, is that all for me? I get all that? And he says, wait a minute. Let me share something with you. All that stuff that's on that shelf was stuff that I was willing to give you when you were on that 
earth. And he puts you on one of those lifts, and you go, and you get on that shelf, and there's a whole thing, March 3rd, 2019. It's sitting there, and you look at that object, and you go, that's exactly what I needed that day. And he goes, well, God, what, what happened? He said, I had it for you, but you didn't take it. I wonder after we're done here, I know I've used this before, so walk with me for a second. I wonder if after we're done, right, we're, we're cleaning up and we're putting away chairs. I wonder if all that's happening, we don't even see it in the spirit, but there's, a, there's the angel cleanup crew that comes in. And the angel cleanup crew goes, man, I got to take that back and take that back and, and they just take truckloads of stuff backed up to the warehouse because we were too busy putting in our time today and going on to something else that we missed the fact that God had exactly what you needed in this room today. But sometimes you've got to be willing to step out of the normal routine and do something different. So you usually clap, but maybe you've got to clap a little longer today. Or maybe you raise your hands, but today you've got to raise them longer. Maybe you say hallelujah, but you've got to say a few more hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you've already given God everything, but you've got to go farther because there's something in this place today that's exactly what you need, but you've got to be willing to get it and reach out and say, I don't care how it comes. I got to get it. This whole thing started happening where he got back and forth with this lady and they're going back and says, give me a drink. She's like, I don't even know who you are. And he gets in this whole dialogue with her. And she looks at him and he goes, what are you doing asking me for a drink? You know, if you, if you need a drink, you can get a drink. And he gives this response back to her. She said, if you knew, if you knew who it was, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you drink that you never thirst again. You see, the beauty about coming in contact with God, He answers questions you don't even realize you have. He gives you answers to things you don't even know you were asking. You ask one thing, He answers this. And you only realize the answer he gives you is really the answer you need. But you're seeking one question, but he's giving the answer to the other thing. Why? Because God knows exactly what you need. Let's jump back to the beginning here. We're talking about when we connect with others. You know why? You ever, at, you ever been in contact with somebody and you just have this thing to tell them something that seems just off the wall? You're like, God, why would, you, why would you want me to tell them that? That doesn't make any sense. And, and you kind of stutter through and you're like, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I just feel to tell you. And you tell them this, and all of a sudden they look at you and go, how did you know that? How did you know that? They look at you in stunned deal, and you can say, you know what? I didn't know, but there was one who did know. How many times have you missed an opportunity to impact someone around you because you had that little tug in your heart where God said, tell them this, and you're like, you see the guy in the nice suit or you see the woman who's got it all together and you tell, and the voice says, tell her she's loved just the way she is. And you go, that's dumb. She got everything. 
better than I am. And you only realize everything she's got is a facade. And if you would step out in faith and say, you know what? I just want to let you know. I don't know why I'm telling you this. But your love, just like you are, that might be the key that unlocks the hurt in her life. That Jesus Christ can come in and begin to heal and mend. Get the guy roll up in the fancy sports car in the $5,000 suit. And you tell him, you know what? You're, you, I just want you to know that you're worth something to God. What? This guy's everything he wants. I mean, he's got fancy car, fancy, but you don't realize he's doing all that to seek because he feels so worthless that he's doing all that to find worth. But we only judge by what we can see. But God looks down on the end part of the man. And if we would be truly impactful and be genuine and have clear communication and be able to step out, we can look past what we see. Come on, we've all done it. Don't sit there and tell me you haven't done it. Most of us have done it. We go to the mall. It's not as bad as it used to be. Years ago, it was really bad if you went to the Molly Station Mall. If you went to the Molly Station Mall, it was pure entertainment. Because them dudes, I mean, like hair, the spike. One dude one time, I mean, literally, it was like he had five individual spikes that were that long and they were multicolor. It was fascinating. And they got, I mean, like now, I saw it the other day, literally, I, I, I couldn't help. I know you're not supposed to stare. I teach my kids not to stare. And I wasn't staring, but I just had to look. I wasn't staring. I was just, I was messed. This dude had a earring here and this thing come out of his nose and a chain attached to both of them. And at first I thought, I wonder if that ever gets caught on something. I wonder if this is like chain number three because the other two have broken off. But you know what? Most of us look at that and go, there's no way that person wants anything to do with God. There's no way they want it. But you don't realize everything they're doing is a cry for help. But somebody's got to look past it and see the love of Jesus Christ. Because you know why? Here's the beauty of it. If we get into the depth of the story, now I'm bouncing back and forth, so work with me here. But here's the great thing, right? I want you to picture this, because this is what, this is the picture of the church world today. Okay? So, Jesus is hanging out at the well. Hanging out. I need a good woman at the well. Sister Ivy, can you be the woman at the well? Come on. You look like a good actor today, actress. Okay, so... You're going to go here, sister woman at the well. You're coming here. You stand here, okay? It's the middle of the day. Here. Now, this is a, an Academy Award-winning performance here because in a minute, you're just going to walk from there to there. That's all you're going to do. That's your script. All right, so you stay there, all right? So Jesus shows up. Come here, Brother Cassius, Brother Seth. You're going to be my disciples today. So, I'm Jesus. I'm rolling in with my disciples. Now, these are two fine uh, men, so this is not reflecting on their character, but they are now characters in the story. Now, I know they still have some religious issues that they're working through. So, I'm, I'm Jesus. I know these things. So, I know if they hang out and they see me talking to a woman who is a Samaritan and not exactly in good standing that I'm going to have to deal with their spirit more have to do with her. So I'm smart. I'm going to say, listen, fellas, Jesus is a little hungry. Psychar has a good McDonald's. I'm going to need you to go into town 
And uh, give me a cheeseburger, a large fry, and a Coke. So Jesus sends them walking. You know, go, go. Now, all right, Sister Ivy. Now, she's walking out. They're walking by. Notice this. Watch what happens. Jesus stays at. But they looked at her and more than likely because of who she was and the way she was dressed, they didn't say a word. They walked right past her and that broken, hurting woman kept walking right by and Jesus, because he wasn't looking at what she looked like, he was seeing what was going on. He was waiting to meet the need, but they were so caught up in their own world that she walked by and they didn't even recognize Because you know what's hilarious? Later on, the Bible calls her the woman. So when they heard her go back, and they did this whole transition thing again after it was over, and they showed up to Jesus, and he was telling them like, that woman? That's the woman? How many of us? Let's Let's just talk real. How many of us? are so entrapped in our religious thinking and trying to make ourselves into this religious epitome. Don't go anywhere, my disciples. I need y'all. We're so wrapped up in trying to just make it to heaven and be good Christian and just hang on to Jesus comes that people that are broken are walking by us every day. But all we're caring about is, I got to get to heaven. 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 I wonder if Jesus actually meant for those disciples to minister to her. He sat down and said, let's see what happens. Go get me some food. Because I wonder if later on the Bible doesn't tell me this. I wonder if he sat down with them after it was all done and said, fellas, we need to talk. I tested you and you failed the test. Because you know why? Somewhere along the line, there had to be something that transpired. Thank you, Sister Woman at the Well, because here's what happens. Later on, we find some of those same disciples that were walking by. Come on, brother disciples. Come here, Ron. You sit here now. Now we're transitioning a little farther in the story, okay? Now, Jesus is gone, but now we got a dude sitting at a gate. And remember we talked about it about a couple months ago. He's asking for alms. Same guys. Now, they've been released from all that junk. And now they're walking in the true understanding of who they are, who God's called. Now they're walking along and they hear this voice say alms. And instead of just saying, I got to go to church. You got to just hang out till I come back from church. They stopped and looked at him. And the Bible says he looked at them with expectation, expecting the same thing he'd already gotten. But they say, we don't have silver and gold. We don't have, but such as we have, give I you, rise up and walk. So how many, how many Samaritan women are we walking by that are crying out for help, but Jesus is looking for somebody that's willing? And how many lame people are sitting by every day at your job or at home saying, alms, alms. But Jesus is looking for somebody that's willing to speak the word in their life. Thank you. They missed it. 
They were so busy looking at their own world in trap. And I know we got problems. I got problems. I got problems. 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 I got problems. And I get so trapped up, and I know the Lord's taking us in a different direction, but that's just the way it is. That's why I put notes down. I got problems. I know I do. You got problems. I can spend as divine the rest of my life trying to fix all my problems. And you know what's great about problems? is when you get one fixed, it just means it makes room for another one to take its place. I think we just have like a slot. We got about 10 problems per person. And it's just when you get rid of one, another one just takes its place. Because the very, you know, Brad, the thing about it is, it's like I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of all these problems. And I realize it stinks. Because I can't get rid of all. And you know what's funny? Every time I get past one character flaw in my life, I just realize there's something else there taking his place. Now I can continue to do this. You know, you ever looked at a dog chasing its tail and go, that's the dumbest thing. He's never going to get it. That's how some of us look. Just chasing our problems, chasing our own mistakes, chasing our own failures, chasing our own flaws, trying to finally catch up to it so we can do something for God. And all we're doing is make ourselves dizzy and not going anywhere. But coming in contact, God answers questions you didn't even have. Because he sees that. And you know what? When you come in contact with God... This is the hard part for all of us. And I'm going to close with this. Here's the hard part we all face. We face. And then the people that we're impacting, they face. Because when you come in contact with God, He reveals the gross stuff in your life. He reveals stuff about us that we really don't want revealed. But you know, I'm not a farmer, but I believe some of you... uh, farmer and grew up on a farm or near a farm. You ever gone out to a farm or been somewhere and you smell it after the dirt has been churned up? It smells terrible. Because you got to get inside that dirt and you got to rip all that up and you got to expose everything underneath the dirt that it can be so that dirt can be changed so it can be fertile, but that smell that comes to that is terrible. God comes in our lives and churns up stuff in our life and reveals to us some stuff. Brother Tino, that stinks, man. I don't like what I find about myself, God reveals. But he does those things, why? Because God is always about getting to the heart of the issue. I said it, we preached it six months ago. A lot of you still quote it to me. You know, Brother Wright, remember the thing under the thing? Remember the thing under the thing that we're searching for the thing, but God's really looking for the thing that's under the thing. And how do we get from the thing to the thing under the thing? Sometimes there's a a level of grossness that's how to be revealed so we can get down to the real parts. Because here's the point. And all that took place, she came and he revealed to her the gross part. He said, you've been with five men. In fact, you're with another guy that you're not even married to. But then he started to reveal the answer. And they, all of a sudden, when he revealed the gross part, she opened up with such a hunger. She started to ask questions. What about this? What about that? And he got to reveal who he is, who he was. He said, I am he. She said, 
What about this guy coming? That's Messiah, that's Christ. And he looked at her and said, it's me. You see, the beauty about when God can reveal the gross things in your life, he can show you who he really is. Don't be afraid of the gross things in your life. Because the gross things in your life are the things that God uses as the pathway to reveal himself. It's the places of hurt where he can reveal he's a healer. It's the places of pain that he can reveal how he can put broken pieces back together again. It's the places where you were rejected where he can find out that he accepts you. But in order to find that side of God, you've got to be willing to see the other part. And you know what? We're adept to, we become so adept to hiding so many things in our life because we don't want others to see. But God looks right through that and sees the inward man. So I say to you today, I challenge you with this and we're bumping against our time today and I apologize for that. The Lord knows and I honestly just give it to him. He can't, can't stress about it. I say this to you today. Some of you, God is trying to reach into your life, but he's not coming like you've always expected him to come. Don't miss an opportunity to have an encounter with God because he doesn't fit in the box that you built for him. But when he comes, expect answers to questions you didn't even ask. Expect God to reveal the gross parts in our life so he can get to the heart of the matter. Would you stand with me today? So one more time, the Jesus equation. High high effectiveness with close proximity, with clear communication, is maximum impact. Jesus came to her with effectiveness because he was who he was. He got near her. See, the problem was the disciples had the close proximity, but they missed the effectiveness because they walked right by her, but had no impact. How many people this week are you going to pass by How many people will you pass by this week? But you'll keep going as they go seeking for answers at the well of this world. When all of us in here have experienced that if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. But there are people that are looking for that well that we pass by. I wonder this week if you would challenge yourself Small groups, challenge yourself that you would be sensitive to the voice of God, that you would begin to reach and see others not as just another face of the endless humanity, but you would see the fact that each one of those people you come in contact is a person who has a story, a person who has hurts, a person that Jesus wants to love. But if you're in here today and God is reaching for you, don't miss an opportunity. And don't leave here today with what God has for you left on your seat. Father, I give all this to you. I can't control the time. I can't control the circumstances by which we're governed at this facility. So, Lord, this is not the way I would imagine the day would have ended. 
God, you know all things and see all these things. So, Lord, I trust you with this word. I give it to you. I put this word into the hearts of the people as you've given it to me. And pray, God, that the fruit that comes from it may not be evident in this moment, but I know that your word brings fruit in our life. If we would water it, it would bring fruit. And Father, I pray today that every heart in this place that is open and receptive to your word will receive this word and that it would bring fruit in their life and that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds today that you would change us by changing our thoughts, that we would see you differently and see our friends differently, our neighbors differently, our co-workers differently, our family differently, that we would be who you called us to be. And as you were, so are we to this world as we live as you called us to be. I speak all these things in Jesus' name. Can we just clap our hands and give God praise one more time? Amen.